Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Powers Court Friday Fix. I'm Justin Griffiths, a partner at Powers Court, and today I'm joined by Joe Armitage, the lead political analyst at our partner firm Global Council, which is a strategic advisory business focused on the political, regulatory and public policy landscape. Joe also worked as an official in the Department for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy, or BASE as we know them, on an area related to national security. So with that in mind, he's perhaps the ideal person to talk to us today about the UK's National Security and Investments Act, which has been making headlines recently, and particularly how this represents an increasing appetite from the government to intervene in M&A transactions. Joe, good morning and thank you very much for joining us. Hello, yes, great pleasure. Now, uh, the National Security and Investments Act is getting a fair bit of attention at the moment with some high-profile deals in its crosshairs. Most recently, Vodafone's possible tie-up with Hong Kong-owned Mobile Network 3. Could you just give us a quick summary of the Act itself and what it looks to achieve? Firstly, the Act established a new regime, allowing the UK government to scrutinise and potentially block acquisitions and investments in sensitive sectors or locations of the UK which could impact upon national security. And I think the second thing I'd say is that it's relevant in transactions where an acquirer controls 25% of an entity and it's incumbent upon the acquiring party to notify the government's uh, Department for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategies Investment Security Unit in relation to applicable transactions. There's this hybrid procedure for notifying Bayes. You know, it's mandatory, as I understand it, if the business falls within 17 specified industries and voluntary if the business or asset is outside of this, but could still give rise to national security concerns. What kind of industries does that cover then from a mandatory perspective, at least? These are the sectors that present the most material risk uh, from the UK government's perspective. There is some quite specific guidance about what is and what is not covered, but it includes areas of the economy like defence, energy, transport, advanced robotics, uh, and some less obvious ones perhaps like artificial intelligence and the like. So it's incredibly broad uh, and it covers a, a quite a big proportion of, of the UK economy and in its key areas. In the absence of any sort of proactive notification to the Secretary of State, he or she has the power to call in a transaction within six months of becoming aware of that transaction. I guess becoming aware, that's quite sort of key language. And that there's a long stop date, isn't there, of up to five years after a deal completes. I guess that surely creates quite a lot of uncertainty for businesses. The regime only went live at the start of this year. So there's been you know, a few growing pains. But the vast majority of the transactions actually that have been notified to the government so far, at least based on the recently published data by, by Bayes on this, relate to mandatory areas of the economy, you know, a very small percentage are areas of the economy that, that aren't captured by the, the mandatory 17 areas, which I think is suggestive of the fact that it's very broad. And so you are getting a lot of notifications in those areas. But yes, I think it does create quite a lot of material uncertainty for some transactions, particularly because there's an initial assessment time of 30 days, but the government can extend that by 45 additional days. 
and which I don't think is something that is accounted for, actually, by some of the acquirers, the government does have the ability to pause the clock when it asks for additional information from the parties. And, and in my experience, that is something that is being used by the government because they, they sort of lack resources in the investment security unit and they're using that procedure to just get a bit more time. But that, as you alluded to, does create a lot of uncertainty for the acquirers and there are sort of associated risks associated with, say, liquidity provisions, you know, completion deadlines are determined by other factors. And so all of that needs to be accounted for. And actually, you know, the elongation of the timelines uh, by the government uh, with a lot of uncertainty over whether or not there'll be extensions, etc., is not good from a commercial perspective. Pausing the clock, I guess, also prevents acquiring businesses from running down the clock, right, and trying to sort of game game the system, so to speak. Yeah, the, the government's quite keen to avoid parties gaming the system. So they're, they're quite clear, you know, engagement with the investment security unit should only come where there is a credible offer. And they don't want to be sort of providing advice on the potential acquirers that they would and would not give an easy ride for. So that they're quite sensitive and alive to all of that sort of stuff. As you said, the, the Act came into effect January of this year, so so fairly recent. But is it fair to say that this is, rather than being a sort of fundamental change in government position, it's more the sort of latest step in an increasingly interventionist and robust approach by the government, particularly to foreign takeovers of companies in sensitive sectors? And, and has that sort of continued or escalated from the sort of Johnson to Trust administration? It's not just exclusive to the United Kingdom. You're seeing this in a lot of Western liberal democratic countries, countries like Australia, Canada, the United States, the EU bloc as a whole have all passed or intensified indeed uh, national security screening processes in about the last two years or so. But yes, the new UK Prime Minister Liz Truss has been far more hawkish on China than the last government. So I think we expect stronger remedies and a and a more intensive focus on transactions that involve China. But they do try and be quite agnostic, uh, at least ostensibly, about, about the fact that it is just pretty much an act that is almost uh, exclusively focusing on China. That's interesting, isn't it? Because as you said, it, it is supposed to be agnostic to nationality and, and in theory UK investors could also fall in scope right but as you suggest it's probably more about preventing countries or, or, or hostile states dare I say as, as, as some are, are described from accessing our, our sensitive technologies. One of the most recent high, high profile potential deals in the crosshairs of this act is the tie-up between Vodafone and Hong Kong owned Network 3. Any insights into how this might play out? So far, we've just seen a, a pretty standard holding statement from a Bayes spokesperson and nothing more. Yeah, so I think I think this is quite distinct from you know what many listeners may recall, recall with respect to Huawei, which was a ban on that company being involved in the UK's uh, 5G network. And I think you know, that would have involved Huawei's hardware and, and software. But I think in this particular situation with respect to, to Vodafone, it's quite different because it's about ownership uh, rather than any sort of Chinese tech. And indeed, you know, three is already owned by, by the Chinese controlled company Hutchinson. But obviously, you know, there are sort of the commercial considerations that will be handled by the, the Competition and, and Markets Authority and then the national security considerations that, that you just uh, alluded to. And I think ultimately this will all be 
mostly focused on the potential for for Chinese nationals to use their sort of commercial control of of the new uh, entity, which is sort of Vodafone and and Three's uh, operations, to to perhaps access sensitive information about maybe some some underseas cables, which are important f- from a UK sort of capability perspective. I think this transaction, you know, just given the existing ownership of, of three by Hutchinson, apart from sort of the commercial considerations, um, which, as I say, you know, there could be competition concerns flagged by the CMA. But I think on the national security issues, it should be possible to overcome those. The fact that this d- doesn't necessarily involve companies taking majority stakes, indeed, as far as I understand, what the, the proposal on the table is from a Vodafone three perspective is that Hutchison would have a minority stake. Vodafone would have fifty one percent, I think, of the, the combined entity. But it is companies even taking a small minority stakes or only increasing their stakes by a relatively small amount still find themselves within scope of this thing, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, there is no de minimis threshold. Uh, and so ultimately, it all orients around whether or not the acquirer is going to control 25% of, of the entity enterprise or, or asset. And in relation to this this Vodafone situation, it would involve a Chinese entity at the end of the process owning 49% of both Vodafone and Three, which is clearly you know, over the 25% call-in threshold under the Act. You mentioned behavioural remedies, and, and this is the kind of things the government will require parties to agree to in order to gain clearance for a deal. Can you give us some examples of what those remedies might include? This involves, for example, limiting access to certain physical sites, certainly in relation to acquirers purchasing defence assets. You know, the maintenance of, of certain suppliers or, or goods of services, particularly if it involves governance. What are the penalties for falling foul of this act? I understand that they could be pretty severe. I mean, if it's a mandatory sector... Uh, and they failed to notify the government, you know, in theory, uh, any extremists, you know, the penalty is up to 5% of, of a group's worldwide turnover, uh, or, or £10 million, whichever is, is greater, and indeed imprisonment of, of some executives involved in the lack of compliance for, for up to, to five years. So it's pretty, it's pretty serious. But I think, you know, there are lots of acts of parliament that have these sorts of potential penalties. And it's very rarely the case that they will be um, applied. But I guess that's because they're just so enormous and risky that, that they ultimately do comply. You know, how will you force them to pay what could be a substantial fine if it's 5% of a, you know, multinationals global turnover? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, this is where it actually does come to the potential imprisonment, because it's sort of like a, a sequential process. You know, if the company's executives don't comply, then they will be arrested and charged because they're not complying with the provisions under the Act uh, to pay a financial penalty in certain circumstances. And and you, Joe, and and indeed Global Council have significant experience of advising companies that are or or about to sort of navigate the Act. What advice do you give to firms who might be considering a deal that could be in scope and who might be preparing to to notify Bayes? Yeah, sure. So I think I would say probably from our experience, three things you know the first is to get some pre-deal advice you know before anything's announced or or indeed anything is notified to the government you know get a complete picture of of the risk particularly with respect to the national security concerns that the uk government's likely to have the second thing is after doing that engage with the government's investment security unit as early as possible and with visibility over the risks you think there might be offer some behavioural remedies you think will be sufficient to address 
those risks. And then the third thing, I think this is very important in relation to transactions that are quite public facing, that are getting quite a lot of media interest and attention, is to ensure that there is a, a consistent narrative, uh, both in, in the press through your public statements, uh, but also uh, with the government. Brilliant. Well, Joe, thank you very much. That's been a really interesting conversation and hopefully some useful insights for any company that is or may be in the scope of the National Security and Investments Act. Thanks for inviting me and very good to be with you. That brings us to the end of this week's Friday Fix. Thank you very much for listening. And as always, we really value feedback. So please do leave us a review. We'll be back next week. Bye for now.